starting over. Everyone had a good time at the worship night, right? It was good? Good, good, good. Okay, so about baptisms. Let me tell you a little bit about this. So we have been doing this for, man, I guess uh, the baptism services for, for the whole time we've been in church. So for 10 years, um, I've essentially taught the same message three times a year over and over and over again. And the reason why we do this is because, like Kyle said during his prayer, it is one of the most important things we talk about. So here is my goal today, all right? My goal is this, I have, I have two. One is to teach you a very comprehensive but short lesson on the importance of baptism. So if you are in this room, and maybe you've never been baptized, maybe you're baptized as an infant or a young child and it wasn't your decision, uh, maybe you're just ignorant, and I don't mean that in a mean way, but just ignorant to really what the symbolism and depth of baptism is, my two goals are this. Hopefully to educate you a little bit from the scripture as to why this is a big deal, and then my second goal is, is that if you fall into that category of, of, of either never doing this or uh, maybe you did it at a time when it wasn't your decision, my goal is to persuade you to do this today. And so I'm gonna jump around, which is not my typical MO. I usually go through whole books of the Bible, chapter by chapter, but I'm gonna hop around and I'm gonna kind of compile some evidence as to why I believe and why I believe the scripture uh, uh, shows how important of a thing that this is, okay? So at the end of service, we'll have communion like we normally do. We'll have people to pray. I'll have Dave or Greg up here to answer any questions if anyone's new in here, but we will also, right through these doors, we have clothes, we have towels. Uh, Emily and her team will get information from you if you're new here and you've never been baptized so we can stay in touch with you. We have the baptismal tanks full and ready. The water is warm and clean. Got everything set up, ready to go for you guys if this is something that you decide to do today, okay? Pretty low impact, easy thing to do, but it's a very high impact thing spiritually, okay? So, you should've got notes handouts when you walked in the door. Um, if you didn't get one of those, don't worry, everything will be on the screens. If you have the Experience Community app, you can download that and all the scripture and all the notes are on there and I think we should be in pretty good shape. You can hear me now, which is an awesome thing. And so, uh, I'm gonna pray. We will jump into this. I'll be very, very brief, and I'll open up the opportunity at the end for people to get baptized, okay? I think we baptized 23 last night, which is pretty good, right? That's cool. So yeah, good news. All right, let me pray, and let's jump into this. Father, Lord, we love you, God, and we thank you. Jesus, please keep your hand on us today, God. Lord, thank you, Father, Lord, uh, for the worship night that we had Friday. Thank you, God, for a city that would allow us to do such a thing. Thank you, Lord, for a mayor that would get up there and pray for us and pray for the city with us. Lord, we thank you for Shane. God, we thank you for all the wonderful churches in our community. We pray that you bless them this morning as they teach and they lead their congregations. Father, we pray, Lord, for all of our nonprofits like Endure Athletics that we worked with uh, this month and pray that you bless the Bigelows and the, and the wonderful ministry that they do. And God, just keep your hand on everyone today, Lord. If this is... Uh, maybe a service that someone needed to be at, maybe this is a step that someone needed to take this morning. Father, I just pray that you speak to them today and encourage them to, uh, to take that next step. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we give you all the praise, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so if you don't know anything about baptism, it's, it's not overtly complicated. What I mean is baptism is simply our symbolic and public display that we have chosen to become followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, the Bible says this is where we become a new man or a new woman. This is where the Bible says we're brought to life. 
kind of insinuating that before baptism, we're spiritually dead, but after baptism, we are brought to life. Um, something I've been kind of grinding an ax about lately the last couple of months is we need to change our terminology with Christians. Whenever Christians say, well, I'm just a sinner, biblically, you're not a sinner. In fact, after baptism, you have been freed from sin, and your identity as sinner has been replaced with your identity as a follower of Jesus Christ. So sometimes we say things that aren't very biblical as Christians. Well, I'm just a dirty, rotten sinner. Nope, you've been set free of that identity, and you have a different identity. This is where we take on the new identity, is through baptism. I, I like to think of it in the terms of a wedding ring. I always use this example, if I can get my wedding ring off there, that this is not my marriage. It is symbolic of the fact that I am taken by my wife. Just like baptism is not your salvation, it is a response to you being saved, right? It's, it's a representation of the fact that you are taken by your husband, Jesus Christ. So baptism is one of the big identifiers that we have become Christians. It's probably the most evident thing we can do, right? To show that we have accepted Christ and that we're adopted into the family of God. It should also mark a turning point. Now there are different things that happen in kind of the, the walk of a Christian that should mark as kind of turning points or landmarks, right? When we accept Christ as our savior, when we repent for our sins, when we're baptized, we should be evolving and growing closer and closer to who Jesus wants us to be, okay? So let me run through some pieces of evidence as to why this is such a monumental occasion in the life of a Christian, okay? The first one is pretty straightforward. It's that Jesus set the example for this. Now, if you buy one of these books, the Bible, and you start reading through the New Testament, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You start seeing that when Jesus came onto the scene, there was going to be a massive shift and how humanity communicated with God. In fact, in the Old Testament, the way that humanity dealt with their sins was a pretty arduous process. If you go back and read the Old Testament, every year people would have to get together and they would sacrifice an animal and pour the blood on an altar and they would eat certain parts and discard certain parts and burn certain parts and it was pretty rigorous, this whole thing. And when they would do this process to deal with sin, it didn't alleviate sin, it just pushed it forward, right? And so the next year, they would have to do those things again and push sin forward another year. Now, what happened when Jesus came onto the scene is Jesus was going to be the permanent sacrifice for sin. He was gonna take the place of the, the, the kind of temporary sacrifice. He was going to shed his blood and it was going to completely blot out sin. It was going to erase the sins of the past, the present, the future, right? So instead of killing these animals and pushing it away, Jesus was gonna change the whole thing up. Now, before Jesus started his ministry, he began with baptism. In fact, there was a man named John the Baptist that came before Jesus. And what John the Baptist did is he baptized people day in, day out, to kind of pave the road for Jesus to come in and kind of take over. Well, one day John was out there baptizing people. Jesus walks up, gets into the water, approaches John and says, it's my turn, I need to get baptized. You can imagine John's response, right? John knew who Jesus was. It's like, well, you're the son of God. I, I, if anyone should be baptizing anyone, you should probably be baptizing me. You're the savior. Now, Jesus's response to John is very, very important. This is what he says. Jesus looks at John and says, this is the way it has to be done. 
this is what God requires. Basically, Jesus was going to set the example for how we should be obedient to God from that point forward. So John agreed to that, right? How could you disagree? John said, okay, if this is the way God wants it, I will baptize you. So John baptizes Jesus in the Jordan River. Jesus comes up out of the water. It says the Holy Spirit descends down on Jesus like a dove. You see this beautiful picture of the Trinity. You hear the voice of God say something also that is very important. God audibly says, this is my dearly loved son whom brings me great joy, who brings me great joy. So we learn a couple of different things during this baptism transaction of Jesus. We know that Jesus had nothing to be baptized for. He didn't have to do it. The reason Jesus did it was to set the example for us. So what we learn from that is Jesus will never ask his followers to do something that he hasn't already done. So even if Jesus asks us to give our life, he's already given us his, his life. If Jesus asks us to give up material possessions, he's given up material possessions. If Jesus asks us to get baptized, he has already been baptized. The other thing we learn from this story is baptism makes God happy. If you decide to get baptized this morning, you come up out of those waters, God is like, that's my girl, right? That's my boy. I am proud of them for being obedient for what I've asked them to do. Another thing about baptism that takes place is because we're obedient to God, there's an activation. Now, a relationship with God is a process. We're always constantly evolving to look and act and be more like Jesus Christ. The fancy word for that is sanctification. And different choices that we make as Christians activate promises that God has for us. There's a lot of conditional promises in the Bible where God says, if you do this, I will do this, right? If you take a step towards me, I will take a step towards you. If you do these things, I will honor that, God says. One of those promises has to do with baptism. The Bible tells us that when we genuinely give our lives to Jesus, when we repent for our sin, when we're baptized as a, as a public profession of our faith, the Bible promises us that the Holy Spirit of God will be activated in our lives and it will empower us to live in such a way to where we can please God. Now, this comes from the book of Acts. Again, if you read the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the New Testament, is all about the life of Jesus, right? When you get into the book of Acts, that's where the church begins, what we're doing right now, the birth of the church. In the very beginning of the book of Acts, there's a group of individuals, I guess you could argue kind of the first church, was meeting in an, in an upper room in Jerusalem, about 120 people, they were praying, they were fasting, and Jesus had told these people to wait on the Holy Spirit. They had no idea what that meant, right? Okay, Jesus, you told us to do it, we're gonna wait for the Holy Spirit. We don't know what that looks like, what's going to happen, but they waited. So it was about two months after Jesus had been crucified and resurrected, he had told them to go and wait for the Holy Spirit. And one day as they're waiting, it says the Holy Spirit came into the room where these people were praying, it said like a rushing mighty wind. Everyone was worshiping, they started speaking in languages that they weren't supposed to know. They spilled, on, spilled out onto the streets of Jerusalem and they're worshiping, speaking in different tongues and languages, again, that they should not have known. All the people in Jerusalem are, you know, they just got their latte from Starbucks, they're on their way to work and like, they see, 
Thank you. No one at the five or seven laughed at that. It's funny because there were no Starbucks back then. That's the joke, right? Father's Day, dad jokes. Anyways, so the people in Jerusalem are walking around. They see all the Christians, and they're worshiping in the street, and they're speaking in different languages that they shouldn't be able to know. And all of a sudden, they're, they're, they're what in the heck is happening? And they say, well, they, they must be drunk, right? Because when you get drunk, you just speak in Russian or different languages that you're not supposed to know, right? So they must be drunk. Something's wrong. And the leader of the church, Peter, heard what the people were saying. He got up on a, on a rock or he got up on a ledge or however he kind of elevated himself above the crowd. And he said, listen, people, they're not drunk. Let me tell you what is happening. The Holy Spirit of God has been poured out on these people. And he, he starts to explain to them that our prophets had talked about this. And this is something that the Old Testament, Joel in the Old Testament, said this was going to happen. And so the people started to ask Peter more questions. Why is this happening? And Peter goes, because God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, the savior of humanity. But guess what? You guys crucified him. And the crowd heard Peter. And surprisingly, it resonated with them and it rocked them. And they said, oh my gosh, we killed the Messiah, the Savior. Then they asked the million dollar question to Peter. They said, now what do we do? And this was the response. Very important passage in the Bible. Peter said this, now that you understand that the Son of God was crucified and resurrected, Peter said, the first thing you need to do is you need to repent. You need to ask God to forgive you of your sins. Then the second thing Peter said to do is be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And look at this promise. He says, then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he said, this is, this is a surefire thing. It's a promise for you. It's a promise for your children. It's a promise for those who haven't even heard this message yet. So Peter continued to testify and to, to urge them to be saved. And look at this very, very important part right here. All of those that accepted the message about Jesus, if you're in this room and you have accepted that Jesus Christ is your savior, the next response is they were baptized. That was the, the natural next thing. And that day, 3,000 people were baptized. Now, let me tell you this in this room. And if you're, you're new to this kind of conversation, you need to go into the scripture. Don't take my word for it. Go into the Bible and read it for yourself. If you are in this room and you have repented of your sin and you've been baptized as a public statement of your faith, you have the Holy Spirit in you, right? Ephesians 1.13 says that. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. When we have the Holy Spirit, we produce the fruit of the Spirit. We also are given gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we're not to be afraid of those gifts. Paul said you're to be educated about those gifts. So I recommend everyone in this room, especially if you get baptized this weekend, go into the New Testament Read 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14. And don't be afraid of what God wants to do with you. Be educated about what God wants to do with you. God will bless you. He'll bless the kingdom. He'll bless the church. He'll bless your relationship with him, okay? Another thing about baptism is Jesus simply instructs us to do this. I don't know if anyone else in here is just a little naturally rebellious. I'm that guy, right? I have never watched Stranger Things because everyone is watching Stranger Things. I'm that guy. Is anyone else that person in here, right? I remember when Coldplay came out and I was a huge Coldplay fan because I was a big Radiohead fan and stuff and Parachutes came out and I'm like, this is a great album. And then their second album came out and everyone was a Coldplay fan and I'm like, oh, I'm done with Coldplay, right? I'm that guy. 
So I have this kind of natural rebellious thing in me. And sometimes that, whatever, that's okay when it has to do with music. But when it comes to my relationship with God, I don't need to be rebellious. I just need to do what God tells me to do. So when you get into the scripture and God is very straightforward about things that he wants us to do, we don't always have to understand why God tells us things, but we have to be obedient. One of the last things that Jesus talks about before he he left this earth in bodily form, he gave us what we call the Great Commission. And the Great Commission is three points and it is very straightforward. This is what Jesus says. He says to his followers, I need you to go make disciples, baptize them, and teach them everything that I've taught you to do. That's about as straightforward as a directive from the the, the head right to the body, from Jesus to his followers, make disciples, baptize people, and teach them. And if you're a Greek scholar in here and you study this passage in Greek, you know what it says? Make disciples, baptize and teach people. It says the exact same thing when you break it down into the Greek. It's very direct. We also know from the Gospel of John, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll do what I tell you to do. And he has told us to make disciples, baptize, and teach. Straightforward stuff, okay? Another beautiful thing about baptism, maybe the most beautiful thing about baptism, is the symbolism of baptism. Baptism symbolizes a fresh start. It not only symbolizes a death, right? You go under the water like you're being buried, death. It symbolizes resurrection. Now that doesn't mean that we're gonna be perfect. It doesn't mean that we're not gonna have struggles. It doesn't mean that we're not gonna make mistakes. But we are no longer slaves to what we used to be. This goes back to what I said earlier. We need to change our terminology. Whenever I hear Christians say we're just dirty, broken sinners, that is not biblically accurate. When you have given your life to Christ and you've been baptized as a public statement of your faith, listen, sin for the Christian becomes an abnormality. Whenever sin is in the heart of a Christian, it should feel like a cancer to our soul. It should bother us. It should keep us up at night. It should be something that doesn't sit well with us. So we're not what we used to be. We're no longer slaves to our former selves. Now let me show you where I get that, just so you don't think I'm making this up. Paul said, are you unaware that all of us who are baptized into Christ were baptized into his death, right? Going under the water. Therefore, we're buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of God the Father, look, we walk in a new way of life. If you repent for your sins and you're baptized and nothing changes in your life, something is amiss. Something is not right. Something didn't take properly. Again, it doesn't mean that you're perfect, but you're different. You're not what you used to be. The Bible continues. For if we have been joined with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we're joined with him in the likeness of his resurrection. For we know, look at this, our old self is crucified. I'm just a dirty sinner. False. You are not a dirty sinner. You have been redeemed and sanctified and bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. You are no longer your own. You're different. That's what the scripture says. And sin's dominion over the body is abolished. Gone. Dirty sinner? Nope. Scripture says that has been abolished. So that we're no longer enslaved to sin since a person has died from sin's claims. 
This is pivotal information for a bunch of Christians who have a false identity about who they really are. Okay, so when we baptize people here, we also pray the name of Jesus Christ over people. And sometimes people ask that. Why is that such a big deal? Well, here's the, here's the first thing. There is no magical formula to say over someone when you baptize them. Um, I was saved in a, in a church that thought if you didn't say the exact right words when someone got baptized, that their baptism was no good. Now, that's bad theology. In Romans chapter eight, it says that no man, no woman, no angel, no demon can thwart your salvation. No one can pluck you out of the Father's hands, right? So there's nothing that you can say that's gonna thwart someone's salvation. So less than the words that someone says over you, the importance is the genuineness of your heart when you get into that water. Amen. Now, let me, let me show you the other side of that coin. The other side of that coin is this. There is one name under heaven and earth that saves your soul, one name. And I wanna make sure I pray that name over you. Listen, on a side note, if you're in this room and you're a Christian and maybe you're not the most eloquent in your speech or maybe sometimes you don't know what to say in tough times, listen, if you just speak the name of Jesus Christ with sincerity, God himself shows up. Amen. That name holds significant power. And if you get to baptize someone this weekend, because we let people baptize other people, friends, family, whatever, if you get to baptize someone and you don't know what else to say, just say in the name of Jesus Christ, I baptize you, and that is more than enough. That is more than sufficient. Here's the other thing about that name of Jesus. We live in a culture that has an identity crisis. And when you go into that water, I want you to know exactly what you're identifying as. Do you know we're not the first culture to have an identity crisis? So in our day and age where we talk about gender and nationality and color and sexual preference, this has happened before. In fact, Paul wrote a scripture about it. He said that you're all sons of God through faith in Christ. For as many of you who've been baptized into Christ have put on Christ like a garment. Look, there is no Jew or Greek. There is no slave or free. There's no male or female. You're a Christian. That's where your identity is found, and we live in a world right now where we are struggling to find our identity in everything. I make this much money, this is my education, this is my sexual preference, this is my gender, this is my color, and, and some of those things are fine and dandy, except for the fact that our identity should ultimately be found in our Creator God. That's where our identity is, and salvation only comes from finding our identity in Jesus Christ. That's where salvation comes. Jesus himself even said, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else works out. Everything else is added to you. The last point, and if you're like George Fox in the room that's heard this lesson 18 times, you know exactly how much I hate this question. So many times in church, not just with baptism, with a lot of things, we ask, do I have to do it? Right? Do I have to go to church? Do I have to read my Bible? Do I have to pray? Do I have to be baptized? Now, when people ask me that, again, I wanna to go to the scripture, of course. This is where we find our answers. Do I have to do it? Now, before I answer that, I'm not going to answer it, before I talk about it more, when you get into the New Testament of this book, there's a pretty typical formula that happens when people become Christians in the Bible, especially in the book of Acts. Acts chapter eight, when it talks about the Ethiopian eunuch, when it talks about Cornelius and his family, different people who have become Christians. And these are three things that we always see in the Bible when people give their lives to Christ. 
The first we see is repentance. When we realize that we have lived in a way that contradicts what God wants us to do, we should feel sorrow for that. We have sinned, right? I don't know if anyone else in this room, when you first became a Christian and you realize that the life you, has been living, you have been living has not pleased God, that should bring us sorrow because we don't wanna displease God. We don't wanna be on the wrong side of God. So we feel sorrow for that and we ask for God to forgive us and we turn away from ourself and our wants and our sins and we live the way that Jesus wants us to live. That's repentance. You always see that in the Bible. The second thing you typically see is faith in Christ. Now I know some of you are like, wait a second, wouldn't you have faith before repentance? Kind of, but I'm talking about a different kind of faith. Not the faith that just believes that Jesus exists or even believes that he's the savior. I'm gonna mess with some of your theology right now. A lot of people say, well, I have faith that Jesus is the savior. James said the demons in hell have faith that Jesus is the savior. That's not a saving faith. Just to know that God's on the throne does not save you. Saving faith is an active faith in Jesus. It's a personal relationship with Jesus. It's trusting him, it's surrendering to him. It is living, it's not just knowing that Jesus is the savior, it's living like Jesus is the savior. That is a saving faith in Christ. See this in the Bible. The last thing you see is you see people get baptized. I love the story of the Ethiopian eunuch, right? This guy's in his chariot hanging out with, I think, it's, is it Thomas? Ooh, Philip. He's hanging out with Philip. He's riding in his chariot, and Philip's telling them all about Jesus, and they see some water. Ethiopian eunuch goes, can I just get in that? He's like, sure. So they hop out, just get in some muddy body of water somewhere, and he gets baptized right after he hears who Jesus is. That's how excited he is. It's a good story. So what the Bible never blatantly tells us is you have to do it or you'll burn in hell. It doesn't say that. But here's what we need to do when it comes to baptism, when it comes to reading the Bible, when it comes to prayer, when it comes to coming to church, right? I think we need to check our hearts on some of these things. Listen, if you're in this room and you consider yourself to be a follower of Jesus Christ, if you consider yourself to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you at least have a rudimentary understanding of what Jesus has done for you. You at least have a rudimentary understanding that the God that created the sun that's heating the outside right now, the grass that's growing, the stars up in the universe, the, the earth that we stand on, the God that did all those things gave his only son to come to earth, to live as a human, and at 33 years old, be nailed to a hunk of wood and, and hang on that piece of wood for nine hours. Why? so he could shed his blood and forgive the sins of mankind. Now, if you understand that, at least a little bit, a little bit, right? If you understand what Jesus has done for humanity, just a little bit, and your response to the, the cross, your response to God's grace is, do I have to go to church? Do I have to get baptized? If that's your response, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I, I might argue with you a little bit if you're saved. I might argue with you a little bit if your heart is in the right place, if you really understand how good and how gracious God has been. Listen, if I love my wife the way I'm supposed to love my wife, you don't have to like beg me to have sex with her, right? Or to take her out on a date or to hang out with her. I love her. I wanna be with her. I wanna be intimate. I wanna go hang out places. 
I want to, to be with her as much as I can. I want to know her better. I've been with my wife for 20-something years, right? And I want to know her even more and more as we go because I love her. And we should have the same kind of dynamic with God. Imagine if you walked up to your wife and you're like, hey, we've been together for a while. Do we have to keep having sex? See how that goes, right? Try that one. <laughs> Do we have to keep going out on dates? Do we have to keep talking so much? I'd rather just like watch TV for five hours, right, than talk to you. See how that goes. See how that relationship works out. But we do it to God all the time, all the time. So I think our problem is this, we ask the wrong questions. Again, the question with our relationship to God, the question with baptism should never be, should I have to, or do I have to, right? Whenever people ask me that, do I have to, I never answer. I said, that's a terrible question. Your heart is already in the wrong place if you're asking how little you have to do for God. When we start to understand the cross, when we start to understand the sacrifice that Jesus has made for us while we were addicted to porn, while we were liars and thieves, while we were full of hatred and racism, or whatever the case may be, Jesus Christ died on the cross for us even when we were at our worst. And if we can understand that just a little bit, we'll never ask God, do we have to? We'll say, God, what else can I do for you? What more can I do to please you? God, if you want me to get into a little body of water and, and, and do it in front of all my brothers and sisters, I'm more than happy to, God. So listen, this is not from a place of guilt. It's not from a place of trying to shame you or manipulate you, but I wanna, I wanna genuinely and honestly ask you, if you love Jesus Christ in this room and you have not been baptized, I just, why? What stops you from doing this? What stops you from taking this step? I'm, I'm gonna tell you, just like those videos at the beginning showed, I have probably baptized without exaggeration in the last 10 years, three or 4,000 people, no exaggeration. And I have not had one person in 10 years complain about baptism or say that they wish they wouldn't have done it. I have thousands of stories of how it has absolutely changed people's lives, not because that water is magical, but because they have been obedient to God. And God honors that, okay? So listen, up here in a minute, Greg's gonna, or Dave's gonna be up here at the front. If you are new to this church or you have any questions or you're not a believer and you're like, what in the heck is going on? Come up here and talk to Dave. He's one of our pastors. He'd love to talk with you. He'll get coffee with you if you need to or, or whatever he needs to do, okay? There will be people who will pray with you on this side of the wall over here where all the art is if you need any prayer requests prayed for. We have communion all around this room wherever there's a lamp on a table. Everyone who has asked God to forgive them of their sins, everyone is welcome to take the body and blood of Jesus Christ. You can do that with your family. You can do that with your friends or by yourself. And then listen, here's the last thing. If you are in this room and you have either never been baptized or maybe you were baptized at an age to where it wasn't your decision, right? Right through these doors. You can go back there. We'll get your contact info. We'll get you some clothes to change into. We'll give you a towel. Everything will be taken care of. We're not gonna spam you or bug you. We just wanna make sure that you don't slip through the cracks, okay? And we can baptize you and I give you my word. It will absolutely change your life, okay? I'm gonna pray for you. Lord Jesus, God, we love you. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for everything you've done for us, Lord. Thank you, God, for every man and woman and child in this building. Father, my prayer is this, God. If there is anyone in this room 
who maybe they feel in their gut right now that they're supposed to do this, but maybe they're a little nervous, Lord, please comfort them. Lord, please let them do what they need to do. Um, Lord, let them be obedient to what you're telling them right now. God, just nudge them in the right direction. Lord, don't let them be afraid. Don't let them be intimidated. And Lord, let them know that it's gonna bless them if they're obedient to you. Father, Lord, we thank you for your, your son that died on the cross that we can take communion and remember that. We thank you, Lord, for people that we can pray with, God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for any newcomers that might be in the room and visitors, Lord. Keep your hand on them, God, and lead them in the right direction. Lord, we love you, we thank you, we praise you, and it's in your son's name we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen, love you guys, thank you so much. You're welcome to go right over here if you wanna do baptism, and Dave's right up here at the front.